0: I was the last one to to admit to being with him the night that uh, he went missing, and subsequently, after he, before he froze. Um, that's how I'm connected to the Stonechild inquiry. About a month and a half ago, I felt that uh, a very significant time in Saskatoon's history was coming up, and I felt that uh, in my culture, that you know, giving having a feast and a giveaway for somebody to that we remember and, and respect is just the thing that we should be doing. Uh, it's just uh, an occasion where I thought that a lot of people that uh, were involved with the case, people who knew about the case, uh, just come together and share a meal and, and share stories. and uh, it being a part of the, part of my healing journey as, and as well as a few others.
1: You know what will keep you warm in the great white north? A little true crime, with your host, Megs.
0: And Jess. Hello. How are you, Miss Lees? (laughs) <laughs> oh, you know,
1: ate a little too much over Easter, but besides that, fabulous.
0: Oh, that happens. Yeah, I
1: Easter mean, Bunny only comes
0: <laughs> once a year, so
1: loaded with mini eggs, of course.
0: <laughs> Those are the best, though, right? I Even we tried the like the Hershey one version. Terrible because it's Cadbury. Mm. Yeah, I tr- We try. Yep.
1: That's not the same. I tell my American friends that, and they even now they understand that it, there's a huge difference in mini eggs between what. I had, was forced to eat for eleven years in LA, <laughs> and then coming back to Canada, I go,
0: "Oh gosh, right. the chocolate is so much better it's here." Not right. Our kids got a ridiculous amount of candy because they found the Easter stash that I had. Oh, and, <laughs> and so I had to lie and say that was from us, and then go out and buy even more shit for the Easter <laughs> Bunny. <laughs> So they got double the amount just because I didn't want to break their little hearts. <laughs> Not yet. We <laughs> still believe. And I'm trying to keep it going as long as I can. That's a good mama. Lucky them. Lucky them. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, hello and welcome to True Crimes in the Great White North. I'm your host, Jess, and this is my fabulous partner in crime. Megs. <laughs> So this episode contains sensitive matters and is recommended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. As much as we are wannabe amateur detectives and journalists, alas, we are just prairie gals with a natural curiosity of true crime sitting in our closet with a microphone. And (laughs) and headphones. headphones. (laughs) Megan, why did we start a true crime podcast? Why did we? (laughs) Because because we talked every day <laughs> about other people's <laughs> true crime podcasts. <laughs> and I finally said, why don't we have our own? <laughs> exactly. I mean, we still do. We still listen to everybody else's true crime podcasts, because there's so many awesome ones out there.
1: Well, it's also like, it's informative, too. Because even though we talk about certain cases, I'm still learning so many different
0: ones, and not just Dateline. Oh, totally. Totally. I agree 100%. And then I just kind of, you get used to some too. Like, I, you know, I just... You really like the hosts. You like their mannerisms. So I find it, I mean, if I'm walking, I'm cleaning, I always have my headphones on. And I'm listening to some sort of podcast.
1: No, it's good. It's kind of, it, it's a nice change versus listening to music. Like every time I do a road trip, it's always podcasts. Yeah. And I've actually gotten my parents hooked on true crime because they would say, oh, what's that one? And then the first one I introduced them was Serial uh, with the Anad case to remember that one it was the very first one it's fantastic it's it's such an interesting interesting case but that was so they've yeah they've kind of gotten hooked on all of them now
0: well today's podcast is about the saskatoon starlight tours also known as the saskatoon freezing deaths So when you first hear the phrase starlight tours, it sounds like something romantic one might do with a significant other or an expensive tour you might pay for in the Hollywood Hills. (laughs) You know that,
1: Mm -hmm. but that's
0: not the case for the city of Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. So for those of you who've never been to Saskatoon, the population is approximately 330,000 people. So I was, I was trying to figure out how big that was. I mean, I know we're almost in Edmonton at a million, so it's about a quarter of the size of Edmonton. It's, still, it's a decent size. It's still a pretty... Yeah, it's still a pretty decent-sized city. They are the world leader in potash production, which I thought was kind of interesting. And fun fact, it is also known as one of the sunniest places in Canada. They get about 2,268 hours of sunshine a year. Wow. So when I did some quick math on that, if you think about like eight hours a day of sunshine... That's about two hundred and eighty three point five days of sunshine a year. That's pretty good.
1: Oh my, that's basically practically an entire year. Yeah, I mean, I'm jealous because you yeah. <laughs> send me back to you LA. <laughs> I'm in Vancouver. The sunny days are four.
0: <laughs> I know. I, I mean, I love BC and it's it's beautiful. I, I love Vancouver too, but um, yeah, you guys do get a lot of rain. We do. Um. One other thing that I also thought was uh, awesome about Saskatoon is that they have the world's only pierogi drive thru. <laughs> oh like a little bit of Ukrainian in me. <laughs> I did check out the menu. It does look amazing. Baba's homestyle pierogies. I will definitely be checking it out if I ever drive through Oh, Saskatoon. I even love the
1: name Baba's. Home I know, it's so
0: so cute, right? The ever so talented Joni Mitchell is also from Saskatoon. Oh. She was uh she actually grew up in Alberta, but she her family moved there and she was She was raised in Saskatoon. And, you know, no one has more heart than a Rough Riders fan. For those of you who don't know football, they are officially the Saskatoon Rough Riders, and they are crazy. (laughs) Their fans are crazy. Their fans are crazy. Yes, they have heart. Today, we start our story with the freezing death of Neil Stonechild. Neil was born on August 24th, 1973. He was a Salto First Nations teenager, and Stonechild was known for petty theft and drinking. However, he was also um, an accomplished wrestler, having won a, a bantam weight provincial title in Saskatchewan. I actually had to double check what that was. So, bantam is a weight class in a combat sport.
1: Is that hockey has bantam as well?
0: Right. Neil's brother described him as fun-loving and caring. And even though I know he went through, you know, he was going through a rough patch, he was also just known as a really, a really great kid. On November 25th, 1990, Neil Stonechild was found frozen to death in a snowy field in the city's north end of the city during the afternoon of November 29th, 1990. So his body was found five days after he went missing. Of course, the big question would have been, how did he get there in the first place? The seventeen-year-old had been last seen five days earlier in the West Side neighborhood of Confederation Park. The night that the the last night he was seen alive, the frigid, cold temperatures were below minus twenty-eight. Ouch. Neil's friend Jason Roy said he was with Neil on the night of November twenty twenty of. Neil's friend, Jason Roy, was with him on the night of November 25th. Jason said the last time he saw Neil alive, he had been thrown into the back of a police car. Neil had been handcuffed, and he had a large cut on his face, and it was gushing blood. Jason said the last thing Neil said to him was, Jay, help me. They're going to kill me. When Neil's body was found, he was wearing a very light blue baseball jacket, and he was wearing one shoe. Um, The other shoe was never found. It makes no sense that Neil would have walked all that way in minus 28 with only one shoe on. It took the RCMP less than a week to investigate his death. There's actually some reports that said they actually only investigated it for three days. I read another one that said they only actually investigated for six days. Either way, it was ruled accidental. Neil's autopsy report concluded that he died from hypothermia. Sergeant uh, Keith Jarvis concluded that Neil must have been trying to go to the Sutherland group home or simply wandered around after having too much to drink and eventually passed out and died from the elements. The lack of compassion for Neil's death was very apparent from the very beginning. So the case basically was closed after that until 10 years later, Another indigenous man by the name of Daryl Knight came forward and told his harrowing story. As soon as I got outside
1: I seen two cops and they must have thought I was the I was the one causing the problems or something. And handcuffed me and took me to the car and I'm thinking I didn't break no laws so I didn't do nothing wrong and took me away.
0: Daryl Knight is a member of the Cree Nation and on January 28th, 2000, Daryl Knight left a party that was at his uncle's And it started to get a little rowdy and he decided he needed to head home. Just as he was leaving, two police officers grabbed him, cuffed him, and they threw him into the back of a police car. Daryl had been drinking, and at first he assumed he was going to spend the night in the drunk tank. Daryl said once the police cruiser started to drive out of town, he started to get very scared. Daryl said, I thought I was going to die. Daryl said all those rumors about Starlight Tours were now coming true. The two police... officers drove daryl about five kilometers out of town and he was not dressed for the winter elements it was minus 22 that night and he was wearing jeans and a t-shirt and a very light jean jacket the police officers pulled him out of the car slammed his face into the car and called him derogatory names knight told the two police officers hey you can't leave me out of here i'm gonna freeze to death and their response was that's your effing problem So the fact that two police officers would have no concern or disregard for Daryl's life like that, to me, is just criminal and inhumane. Daryl said he knew he had to start walking if he was going to survive. So we've talked about this Mm -hmm. before when it comes to hypothermia. I mean, we're both born and raised in Alberta, and we know exactly what those temperatures um, feel like and how quickly and dangerous hypothermia can be.
1: And it's not even when you say... People don't realize, too, when they say, like, oh, minus 22. Yes, it's minus 22. But then you add in the wind chill, and it could be, like, oh. minus 36. Like, it makes a huge
0: difference. Like, it's freezing. absolutely. It is. It is. It is. It's. it's um. Your eyelashes <laughs> freeze. <laughs> Your eyelashes freeze. You can throw water up in the air, it and it is. freezes midair. <laughs> so Daryl said he was, he knew he was in danger when he got a sensation of being very hot which is a side effect when hypothermia is starting to set in. It's the body playing tricks on you. Usually at this point, someone becomes very confused, disoriented. They start to take off their clothes. They'll often try and lay down and sleep. So Daryl managed to make it all the way to the Queen Elizabeth Power Station. Um, A security guard heard him banging on the door, and he was begging for help. Thankfully, Daryl survived that ordeal. However, the very next day which would have been January 29th, 2000, another indigenous man by the name of Rodney Nastus was found frozen to death again near the Queen Elizabeth power station. And he was only 25 years old. They
1: kind of pick him up and drop him off at the same time or same place. It seems like. Right. Which is why they obviously know that the terminology for starlight tours. Exactly.
0: A few days after that, on February third, two thousand, another indigenous man by the name of Lawrence Wagner was found frozen to death in a nearby field close to the Queen Elizabeth Power Station. So Lawrence was a student at the Federation College, and he was only thirty years old. Um, they, I've watched some interviews with Lawrence's parents, and right away, you know, Lawrence's father said from the beginning there was no way his son would have walked himself out of town, especially in those frigid temperatures. He was not even wearing shoes. Wow. He wasn't wearing winter clothing. And when Lawrence's body was found, he he just had white socks on. And the socks showed no sign of wear on them. So, I like mean... they took
1: his shoes, obviously.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Brutal. I feel most definitely 100%. So, right away, <clears throat> Daryl did not report... Um, his incident that had happened. It ended up taking a few days for Knight to come forward with the terrifying story. And he said he was honestly scared. He was scared of Rupert. I mean, if the own police did this to you, I mean, are you going to go back to them and report it? But he said, once he heard about the two other freezing deaths, a few days after his ordeal, he knew he had to come forward. Once Daryl told the story and the two other freezing deaths of Rodney Nastas and Lawrence Wagner hit the news media, Hundreds of calls started to come in from other Indigenous people who had suffered similar um, police brutality. I mean, and that media wasn't the same back then. That was 1990. So there was no Facebook. There was there was nothing right. So it was just it would have been reported on the news um, and people just started calling in. The two officers who had dropped off Daryl had finally been identified as Dan Hatchin and Kim Musin. They were suspended with pay while it was being investigated they were yeah right they were finally convicted of unlawful confinement a year and a half after the incident and both were fired both police officers said in trial they were not breaking any laws when they dropped daryl off dan hatchin's defense attorney said that daryl asked to be dropped off to avoid being arrested and charged i mean there was nothing to even there was even no reason for daryl to be arrested like yeah, he had, was leaving a party. He had too much to drink. It's not even like he was drinking and driving. He had just started to walk home.
1: Yeah, and you, and of course, I, they're not going to do that to anyone that's not Indigenous, I bet.
0: Right, exactly. I mean, Daryl Knight, of course, adamantly denies that the claim that he would have been asked to have been dropped off out on the outskirts of town to walk home. I mean, even if Daryl had let's just say, had asked to be dropped off, he was, in fact, inebriated. And it is the police officer's responsibility to protect a civilian, right? I mean, they they knew dropping him off like that could ultimately cause his death. I mean, they knew what the elements were. They knew he was not dressed properly for the weather. If they were really, truly trying to serve and protect, they would have taken him home safely. This is such a poor excuse of it. I mean, for me, this is such a a poor excuse of a defense. And it's just, it's so arrogant too. Yeah. The level of arrogance is, I don't know. It baffles me. So during this time, a call came in to the Saskatoon star Phoenix and the caller told the reporter to look into the freezing death of 17 year old Neil Stonechild that happened 10 years prior. The caller mentioned that there was an old article written by Harry Craig about a mother who claimed her son's death was never investigated properly. I mean, and of course, at this point, the community is outraged. Um, there's lots of protests going on. When Lawrence Wagner, um, when he, he had passed away, his, there were, had been probably hundreds of people who had walked with his parents. Um, they had walked through um, those temperatures in one night. Um, I mean, people were really upset. So finally, the RCMP did finally launch an investigation into the death of Neil Stonechild. In November of 2004, two police officers named Lawrence Hartwig and Brad Singer were fired and charged with unlawful confinement. They served only eight months in jail. It was discovered that both police officers had taken Neil Soenchild into custody before his death. I mean, to me, it's like, why is this not a murder charge? Yeah, I mean, it is murder. It is murder. I mean, how are they... it, unlawful confinement. It's. I mean, that's not justice. I. I, I really feel for his family. Even with Darrell Knight's case, the two police officers should have been charged with attempted murder. In my case, too. In, in. You know, as far as when you when you look at all the facts, still there has been no charges for the death of Rodney Nastus or Lawrence Wagner's cases. They were both found to just have died from. Hypothermia and and from the elements.
1: Did they find the officers that also had drove? Like, was it? I wonder if it was the same one that drove Daryl.
0: Yeah, if there was a there was an investigation that was launched, and the only thing that really came out of it was that going forward, police officers had to record who they had in the back of their police cruisers.
1: Well, now they have yeah. cameras, so I think like well now, now you they have get away, Yeah, I can't get away with anything. Right.
0: <clears throat> but I don't know. Do if they have the capability of turning those cameras off?
1: I wonder, because they wear, I know in L.A. and in the States, they wear them on their chest now. So they can, it's like they're, it's like a body cam. It is a body cam. So they can see, but I don't know. I don't actually know how that works. Well, I'm going to have to do some digging and find out. I
0: think maybe, the, yeah. For some reason, I don't think they can actually. It would make
1: sense if they couldn't because it would be too easy to shut it off. Exactly. And then you have no record.
0: Right, so Gerald Knight was so troubled by what happened. he eventually actually moved out um he moved away from Saskatoon and he said he has never to this day received apology for what happened.
1: Wow, yeah
0: Starlight tours have actually dated back to nineteen seventy six That's how many people have actually called in and reported um indigenous people have reported police brutality since nineteen seventy six and just in
1: Saskatoon.
0: Yeah, I mean there of course there's been cases all everywhere. over all over Canada, but these Starlight tours have mainly taken place in in Saskatoon. There has been other freezing deaths that have also not been investigated, like 53-year-old Lloyd Dustyhorn, who was an also an indigenous man, he was found frozen to death in Saskatoon on January 19th, 2000. Wow. After being taken into police custody the day before for public intoxication, 33-year-old Darcy Dean Ironchild was also an Indigenous man and was found dead a day after he was taken into police custody. So there's been so many more stories that have not been even reported or investigated. I mean, I love Canada. I'm proud to be Canadian. But it it makes me very sad to know that systemic racism is it still exists and that it's been going on for this long
1: yeah it's definitely because you kind of wonder too if any well it seems like it's just men they're picking up and doing this because you'd be curious to know if there's any indigenous women that have yeah there was there has has been interesting
0: there has been reports i did not see any of the freezing deaths that i found were just on men but um, there has been lots of other cases of people who just reported police brutality. You know, they're being picked up for for really nothing. Like even – Daryl Knight wasn't charged with anything that night that he was picked up.
1: Yeah, they just drove him out. It's crazy. I mean, thank God this security right? guard opened the door because I'm sure he was freaked out too to see some strange man like in the middle of the night. Well,
0: when I read I read another article, and he said he, at first he was actually – when daryl was saying to him like the police just dropped me off here i'm gonna freeze it out like can you please call me a cab the security guard and the cab driver actually ended up testifying in in his case yeah oh that's good because it did go to trial but i mean to me it was they got a slap on the they got a slap on the wrist Uh, so you would find this interesting too in 2016 an 18 year old university student was researching police brutality when he realized the section about Starlight Tours on the Saskatoon Police Services Wikipedia page had been deleted. Mm. So, yes, so of course, since IP addresses are recorded whenever someone makes a change in Wikipedia, it was found that the deleted information had come from a computer at the Saskatoon Police Station. little scammers. Of course it Mm -hmm. did. They could not deny it. They did acknowledge that this happened. However, they say that there was no way to know who actually deleted the information at the time? Over 200 people had been using the same server. Such an excuse. And I'm not an IT. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so I mean, I mean, if you're in an officer, I mean, this is also well. That's in 2016. That's not even that long ago. Five no, years. so quite often, you know, you have to use passcodes to access the internet, and exactly. I don't know. So I mean there's there's been lots of different cases that have been covered about the Starlight Tours. Um to see photos from this podcast, please check out our Instagram at Great White North Crimes. If there's any missing details or if you have any thoughts, please send us a message on our Instagram or our email, true crimes, gwn at gmail.com.
1: Yeah, maybe we'll dig up some New ones. I think it's good, too, because now with everything going on, there's, you know, just more like we were talking about police brutality and stuff. It's just becoming more evident now and shedding light on a lot of taboo topics, I think, especially in
0: Canada. Oh, oh, 100 percent. There's a lot more things that are now becoming people are wanting their voice to mm-hmm. be heard. Oh, huge.
1: Yeah, it's sad. I mean, Big there's. Time. So many incidences, like you said, I mean, obviously I'm very proud to be Canadian and love our country, but there's some things that could use some major work (laughs) and that being one of them and not just to indigenous, like police brutality to, you know, loads of people for just most ridiculous ways.
0: Absolutely. And it's just like, you know, everyone has to kind of stop and think and really change their mindset. Mm -hmm. You know it's so easy to stereotype, and uh, you know I think everybody can start to make changes. Oh, totally. You know, even in the workplace, um, it's just it's just that you know everyone deserves respect. Everybody deserves like I mean, with with these cases, it just it just showed me how the police just didn't have any regard for any of these men's lives. Yeah, like you know, discarded them. I, I, there was them, another yeah. police. Re- totally disregarded them there was um a news uh article or i was watching it and and one of the police officers said oh you know basically how that's so ridiculous we wouldn't do that why would we move the problem from one area just to another like they're just referring to them as just problems and it just i don't know the level of arrogance it it bothers me Yeah, because we had this this discussion, too, actually, about one of
1: the podcasts we both listened to just saying, like, you know, education is key. And and maybe instead of, yeah, I just think people need to educate themselves on certain things.
0: And And speak mm -hmm. up when you see something that's not right. Speak up. I think there's so many times that people don't speak up. Um, So many times things aren't reported. And, I mean, that's the only way that there's going to be change. People have to. To stand up and do the right oh, thing. Oh, for
1: sure. hundred percent. I mean, that makes sense. So hopefully, well, hopefully now that this is, like you said, like we're shedding light on it. Other podcasts have, and there's a documentary that features Daryl. And so I think the word will get out and hopefully incidents like this, like no mother has to lose a child over something.
0: There's a like really this. good documentary about this, about the, um, the Starlight Tours that's called Two Worlds Collide. And it's on YouTube. So if you want to watch it, I suggest you go and watch it on there. It was really good.
1: Yeah, I watched it. It was really informative and sad because, you know, you have to listen to the grieving mothers talk about their sons who didn't get justice.
0: 100%. 100%. Like Neil Stonechild's mom, she was saying when his death was first reported, you know, they were saying some, you know, an indigenous man was. And she was like, he was 17. He was a kid. He was not a full, uh, he was not a, a grown man. She was quite upset about that. And I, and I don't blame her. She's like, he never got to live his life. He never got to grow up. He never got to have a family. No, he was a child. But as a
1: teenager, I mean, he was just, yeah. just beginning, as they say. He was
0: just beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%.
1: Well, thanks for shedding light on a story I had never heard of before. Very informative.
0: You're welcome. Well, thank you. Thank you for listening. Thanks, everyone until next time true crime and wine <laughs> and it's a healing thing for us because we everybody's remembering him with us at the memorial round dance the reason why we make the round dance and, uh, is to heal ourselves and uh, now then get together